I'm a free black man, hold up my head, black man. Beautiful black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase your dreams, black man. And get that cream, black man, we the original man. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another edition of my show. It's a pleasure to be here talking to you all today. And uh, particularly, I want to talk to you all about something that's been on my heart and on my mind lately. And that's conscious capitalism. And this idea that the entrepreneur can solve our social issues. You know, when I entered this entrepreneurial space back in uh, 2017 and I was launching the Ironbound Boxing Academy, you know, I had a chance to enter entrepreneurship by way of uh, Stanford University through a program called uh, Stanford Ignite. And while I was going through that program, um, it was four weeks long. It was at the Stanford Graduate School of Business. And that was when I kind of got exposed to social entrepreneurship. You know, at Stanford's, uh, the, the Stanford Business School has a motto of change lives, change organizations, change the world. And it's interesting when you think about that because it does create this sense of like, I don't know, um, this higher level of business that I think most people don't appreciate. You know, I know when I was growing up in Texas, I never really looked at business in the way I do now. You know, now I can really appreciate what it means to create value out of thin air or start something that does change lives and impact lives. But back then, you know, you think of business, it's just like the place you go get your burrito from or, you know, where you go purchase your uniform um, or where you go buy shoes from, right? You never really understand like the human component behind it. And there's people there that you appreciate, but it's not to the same extent of like how we glorify entrepreneurship today. You know, it's like this, the hero CEO that's going to swoop in and, and, and save the world. And the reason it's, it's been on my heart and it's been on my mind is, you know, working in Newark and, and trying to change lives in a positive way for black and brown kids in the city. You know, it's not always the sexiest. And the reality of it is, is that this is grunt work. And it's not bad work in a good way. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying it negatively, but just connecting the reality of what it means to support underserved uh, people in, an, in the inner city, you know, boots on, the de- boots on the deck versus how we sell it, you know, and how we kind of promote it. And so one of the things I would love to, to talk to you all about today, you know, is, you know, my, skeptic, my skepticism with conscious capitalism. And I look forward to hearing y'all's feedback, you know, because I, you know, when I get on this platform, I don't pretend like I have all the answers. I just use this platform as a way to articulate my thoughts, feelings, and emotions and connect with you all, my audience, for some stuff that, uh, you know, maybe you've thought about yourselves. And uh, I would love, you know, really for you all to send me some feedback on what we talk about today. And uh, I'm excited to kind of work through these thoughts with you all. And uh, hopefully, you know, I have a better understanding of of the conscious capitalism landscape, the social impact landscape, and how I maneuver in it. <clears throat> and it's funny because, you know, uh, I just had to change my voice. I, sometimes I sit down and I talk and I get this... Uh, you know, this kind of raspy voice I've been told. So I'm going to, I'm going to work on that while I talk through this, this episode. But I, again, as always, I appreciate y'all for, you know, listening to me and uh, working through my thoughts with me. And so I guess for this, I would go ahead and jump right into my confession. 
And my confession is that I'm skeptical of conscious capitalism. And the reason why I'm skeptical of it is because there's been this movement and I got caught up in it too. The social entrepreneur, the social impact movement that these entrepreneurs that are going to be equipped with, I don't know, like a, a conscious heart and a conscious mind are somehow going to help us address the social and economic disparities we see in marginalized communities amongst marginalized people. And that somehow the social entrepreneur has the ability to like alleviate poverty, lower crime, uh, do all this other stuff. And we load these entrepreneurs up with this belief that this can happen. And more so that more so than that, one of the things that you're starting to see now too, is that a lot of corporations are kind of shifting to this social impact, you know, conscious model. Because what we're finding is that, you know, everybody wants to be a part of something, right? Life is hard, you know, work, family, you know, tragedy, all this other stuff that we tend to have to deal with in life. And the fact that we're spending the majority of our, our lifetime working, you know, all day, well, not all day, but you know, the majority each and every day is spent at work. People want to feel like that they're working towards something, that they're looking for a sense of meaning and a sense of purpose. And now that is becoming like a competitive advantage for organizations. When you can offer someone, hey, that you're not just coming here to earn a paycheck, you're coming here to kind of change the world. And younger generation, the younger uh, workforce really appreciates that. And that's what they're drawn into. And so one of the things that you're starting to see is that, you know, companies are starting to adopt this conscious model. And I wonder if it's, I believe it has less to do with actually creating the change that we want to see as a society, you know, really addressing these, these deep rooted like social and economic issues and more of just attracting talent. And at the end of the day, the one with the most talent, you know, tends to win. Um, and if you can kind of sell this idea and sell this belief that, um, you know, you're, you're part of something bigger, right. Then you're going to attract talent. That's going to allow you to still maximize profits, maximize shareholder value, right. All these different things. And so the best way I describe it is that like, it's the same, it's, it's kind of like putting a mask on what business really is at a lot of these like larger institutions, you know, for the sake of selling this, this consciousness, this, this um, social impact, when really it's like the same DNA underneath, which is that we're here to maximize ROI, that we're here to maximize uh, uh, profits. And so this has been on my heart and my mind. And one of the things I've been doing and I've talked to you all about is I'm really adamant about publishing and writing a book at some point. And I realized I had put the cart before the horse because here I am telling y'all that I'm going to write a book and yet I haven't embraced the lifestyle of a writer. And so what I've been doing is I've been writing every day uh, for at least 20 minutes and just kind of putting my thoughts out. And one of the things that I recently wrote was about, you know, conscious capitalism. Um, and that what I found is writing kind of helps me work my way, work my way through my thoughts. And so and I could be wrong, you know, full transparency. I could be wrong, but this is just what I see as someone on the ground in the trenches every single day. You know, I was walking to um, uh, uh, my podcast studio is right by Newark Penn Station. And I was going in there today to get a cup of coffee from Starbucks. And when you just see the poverty and the apathy right there at the uh, 
at the at the entrance of the stadium. I mean, it can be grungy, it's nasty, it's urban, right? It smells like urine. You know, people are doped out, smoked up, right? The full nine. Um, but yet we believe that somehow some like entrepreneur is going to be able to solve that and that we're going to invest into being able to solve these issues through some kind of uh, for-profit revenue generating model. And so let me clarify that too. And one, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm really harping on with regards to conscious capitalism is on the profit front, you know, because for anybody that runs a nonprofit or anybody that is interested in like the social impact space, you know, one of the things that they'll tell you is that you need a revenue generate model that you're not necessarily like, don't start a nonprofit and expect you're going to operate purely on donations, right? Because you will at some point, I mean, you can for a while, right? And there are many nonprofits that are out there that have done that successfully, but at the end of the day, there's still some kind of function that they have that allows them to generate revenue beyond just the pure donations. Um, and that's kind of like where the world is. Maybe it's always been that way, but that's where like the nonprofit space is shifting in the sense that the ones that have survived the test of time have all managed to have some form of kind of revenue generation. Now, sometimes on the nonprofit front, you can do your galas, you can do all this different stuff um, to, you know, raise support and awareness. And if I know I do a gala and that brings me in 60, 100K, then that's like almost a revenue generate model you can at least count on. But we're talking about bigger in terms of like selling a product or service or some kind of IP licensing, something that allows you to, you know, generate a consistent, a consistent stream of, uh, of revenue. And the reason I'm skeptical of that kind of model is because, you know, I think it's one time, I, I do think it works. I do think, it, I, I do think there's something to it, but the broader issue I have is that again, that these models are going to address the discrepancies that I think are a direct result of our capital institutions. You know, I do believe that in order for there to be rich people, there has to be poor people. And is there something within our system where the natural byproduct is poverty, violence, all these different things, right? And I've, I've talked about it repeatedly with regards to like the African-American community. I think a lot of what we see with regards to violence in the inner city, crime, uh, idleness, all these different things is a direct result of the economic disparity African-Americans find themselves in, in the post-industrial age, you know, post, um, integration, right. Um, desegregation, all of a sudden dollars that the black community had to spread around amongst the black community is no longer going towards the black community. We're spending it outside of the community. And so that means that, you know, the education for the black community is outside of the black community. Um, and we just don't have like a financial base, right? We don't have any like real financial infrastructure committed to the survival of black America. And so when you think about what we had before during segregation, like we only had to rely on each other. We had to spend money with each other because we couldn't spend it anywhere else. And so that's why you really kind of had this, like, you know, this black middle class and, um, this, uh, two parent household and all these different things. But once we desegregated and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, the, the post-industrial hit, I think that threw black America off an economic cliff. We couldn't find jobs. We couldn't find all these different stuff. And now we see the byproduct of that in the drug trade, you know, this new 
economy, this this shadow economy that was built that allows us to, you know, operate in. Um, but more importantly than that, you know, it is, it is, it, I won't say more importantly, what it's also caused is teen pregnancies caused all these different issues, right? This is my opinion. That's the system kind of playing itself out. And so when you think about like the social space, is it the same? I think it's the same thing. I think a lot of what we see is the system kind of, and by, by system, I mean like society, America, whatever you want to call it, this, 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 the way we do things here, the way we, we employ people, the way we build wealth, the way we do all this kind of stuff. I think the cost of that is the other side of it, which is not so sexy, which is um, what we're, kind of what we're talking about, especially in places like Newark. And I, I, the thing that bothers me and I've come to realize is like, I talk about forgiveness a lot and how I've learned to like forgive myself for mistakes I've made in the past, whether, you know, in war, such as in Afghanistan or even on my nonprofit front or my entrepreneurial efforts. And the thing that I'm very aware of with regards to the social space is that we are trying to solve impossible issues. You understand what I mean? Right? Like lowering the wealth gap, the education gap for underserved and marginalized groups is an impossible situation. Why is it an impossible situation? Because we have people and institutions well-funded that cannot solve these issues, that are trying to solve these issues at scale, and they're failing miserably. They're pumping a lot of money in. We're making some progress. But by and large, we haven't solved these issues because they still exist. And so for someone to come in as an entrepreneur, right, start a nonprofit, start a social enterprise, and expect them to solve these issues, right, is somewhat disingenuous to me. And I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about in general. And because I found a, I've, I found a piece for me in the realization of how difficult of the issues that we're trying to solve here locally in Newark. You understand? Like very challenging guys that have guys and gals that have struggled all their life in the education system. Now we're trying to prepare them for the next step which is to survive and thrive in the American capitalist system, you know, as workers, entrepreneurs, laborers, whoever you want to call it. And the infrastructure in terms of like the human capital, the financial structure in terms of like the wealth their family has, their educational background that they got in Newark public schools. And we're sending them out there to compete with people that have gone to well-funded schools that have had a lot more opportunity, that have more funding than they do just through, you know, generational wealth, et cetera, and they expect them to compete on equal playing fields is foobar to me. But I realize that. But that doesn't mean we don't try. You know, um, this is man in the arena. You know, at the end of the day, it's not the critic who counts. And what we're doing is giving them, I believe, in putting our, our kids or putting those we serve in the best possible situation to succeed. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to happen. All I can guarantee is that we're going to do our best with what we have and try. That's a lot different than saying that, hey, I'm going to give you $100,000 or I'm going to give you, you know, we're going to invest $10,000, $10 million in you or whatever it is that these institutions are able to raise on the social impact conscious venture front that somehow they're going to be able to generate enough revenue 
to either put into this situation or address this situation at scale where we can do good while doing well, where the investors can, you know, get their return on vet return on investment and that um, everyone wins. And I think that is just as idealistic, if not more than, you know, somebody coming in and saying that like me, that's like, Oh, we need to do like, you know, community economics, group cooperation, that it's almost like this, this harmony of we're going to all magically kind of work together to address these issues. Um, and, and some people call that, you know, like idolist, you're like an idolist, idealist correction. And I'm just, I'm just, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about it because, you know, I've been in the, I've been doing this, this running this game. I don't want to call it a game. I've been doing what I've been doing now for going on six years. I transitioned out of the Marine Corps in 2015, moved to Newark, worked in the inner city, working at a private school, St. Benedict's Prep, you know, working with, with young men of color, living with them, raising them for, you know, three years while coaching boxing in the inner city. So I've grown a lot and I've, I've grown a lot and I've seen a lot and not in like a pessimistic way, just more in a, like a reality of like, this is what it is, you know? Um, and for me, it's like, I've just come to believe that the real social entrepreneurship, the real conscious capitalism that I've come to see and appreciate and love is found at the community level. It's found at the small business around the corner that donates to the local, you know, little league baseball team or the restaurant that employs a, the community. You know, the people that live and walk the streets each and every single day that are invested in the community that wanted to succeed, you know, the community bank. And maybe this is kind of tying into a larger conversation about, you know, my, I don't want to even call it my political views, but just more of how I've come to see the world is that like, I've come to really appreciate the local community. And even in a challenging community and an environment that I find myself in, in Newark, right? I still love and appreciate it because there are people here that are committed to ensuring that Newarkers um, are able to survive and thrive, even in the midst of the pandemic. And when I was writing my essay, you know, or my thoughts talking about this, it's, you know, I think we're tricked. I think we believe that like social entrepreneurship, conscious capitalism, all of this stuff has been kind of hijacked by these larger institutions and these larger investment firms that have made us prioritize, you know, capitalism to the, the startups, right. To the, uh, the corporate entities, right. As like the saviors, you know, that like that these are these, this is how we address these issues while undervaluing and underappreciating the role of the local community. And at the end of the day, the local community leaders, the local community business owners, they're the ones in the trenches, you know? And I, I think I talked about this on a previous episode of up until this, the pandemic, right before the pandemic, you know, I was doing, I was beating feet, you know, trying to fundraise for Ironbound, right? I was talking to different people, trying to get a large, larger institutional donations. And then something just dawned on me. I was like, who is it? Someone that really gets what we're trying to do here that loves, values, and appreciates boxing, understand why it's unique to the demographic that we serve, 
and can really invest in our kind of think our, our 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 way our approach and understands what we're trying to do to someone on the outside they might not necessarily get it and i realized i was like you know what there's something to be said about people that are already here and so what did i do i started walking around to these local small businesses in the community and started talking to them about ironbound and got donations right off the bat it was an easy it was an easy ask for me and it was a easy it was something easy to do for them because again, they, they see the apathy, they see it, like they live it, right? They know the challenges directly and they're more than willing to invest in us and support us. And these weren't big checks. You're talking about $200, $500, whatever they could give, you know, sometimes $1,000. But once that happened, it changed my perception on what social entrepreneurship really is because I never looked, I never really looked at the small businesses as social impact vehicles, as conscious vehicles, but they are, and they always have been. And I think, again, it goes back to like, we're always trying to kind of rebrand stuff or reposition stuff, but there's nothing more conscious than uh, people in the community that are committed to supporting local community. And to me, I think that, you know, small business in this country is the real is the real, you know, arena for social impact. And we got to do a better job of sharing that message. And we've got to do a better job of supporting these institutions. And I realized too, during the pandemic, as small businesses in Newark were decimated, doors closed, shut down, et cetera. You know, who else is going to really support those little league teams? You know, who else is going to make sure that the community has places, places to work? you know, um, that, you know, that are really invested in the infrastructure of this, of this city. And once I realized that, man, it's just kind of changed my whole approach and it's changed my whole thought process on, um, you know, conscious capitalism. And maybe I'm just skeptical of outsiders. Maybe I don't call it outsiders. Maybe I'm skeptical of like big, I don't want to call it big government, but just like these big, massive institutions that aren't here, that aren't um, that aren't in the in the environment where they're trying to address these issues. You know that they're trying to like we're like not doing a bottom up approach, but trying to do a, a top down approach with some of these some of these social issues. Um, and I don't know, I don't know, but that's just something that's on my mind. And maybe this is a little bit different than some of my previous episodes because, you know, I, I can jump on here and I kind of have my stuff laid out and I'm, I'm ready to kind of get into it. And I do like a long show that can be anywhere from like an hour to two hours or sometimes five hours. But I figured today I would just kind of do this little snippet. And the reason I want to do this snippet is because I want to hear from you all. You know, as you kind of think about this, this, this landscape we kind of find ourselves in of just massive uh, economic disparities for certain groups, black, Latinos, um, et cetera. Right. And you think about how do we address these issues and the responsibility, whose responsibility is it to address these issues? And I've come to realize, again, this is my opinion that it's the community's responsibility. And what do I mean by the community at the most smallest local level? If the community is the neighborhood, if it's the church, you know, if it's a, if it's, 
whatever. If it's a, a a group of businesses that come together and say, hey, we're gonna we're committed to addressing this locally, you know. But I think it's like you know, in the, in the entrepreneurial landscape, we call it like the minimum viable product, right? You got an MVP. I think it's like the minimum viable like community. Hell, it's even the family structure, you know, of addressing uh, some of these issues that we find ourselves in as a country. And again, maybe that's very idealistic, you know, I, potentially. And some of you might think so. And I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm curious to hear from you. Let me know what you think. Shoot me a message on LinkedIn. Shoot me a, a DM on Instagram. Um, but let's let's get this conversation going on conscious uh, capitalism. And uh, let me know. Black man, I don't that feel nice, man. I love your brother, black man, and chase our trees, black man, and get.